Guard your heart. Guard it. For out of it, what? Flows the issues of life. He says the very issues of life are guarded. They are in your spirit. I'm going to say this to you. As goes your spirit, so goes your life. That your spirit is the indicator of what the quality of your life is going to be. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. That means everything pertaining to you has its start in your spirit. In your spirit. Passing in review, we talked about the inner man, the hidden man, the inward man, the hidden man of the heart. We gave you the various places in Scripture where Paul talked about the heart being the spirit. And we talked about how people have said for years and years, they love to quote the Scripture for the heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? And they, they use that as a tag. Oh, the heart is desperately wicked. You, who can know it? How many of you have heard anybody quote that scripture to you? That's, like, that's the reason why you can't trust people. But that's an Old Testament scripture. And it was true in that time. And it's still true for those who have not been born again. But he also said, I'm going to put within you a new spirit. And a new heart. I'm going to take out the stony heart and put a pliable heart in it. He said, I'm going to put my word in it, my laws in your heart. He says, you will no longer need the law outside to govern you. I'm going to put my word inside you. It's going to govern you from the inside out. The Old Testament is everything is external on the outside. They were led by night by a pillar of fire and by a cloud by day. Moses' glory was evident on his body as it shined on the outside of him. He had, the Bible says he had to wear a veil over his face because he was so pungent with the glory of God. But it was all, everything was external and it was used to stimulate your flesh and your mind by seeing. Everything in the Old Testament was visual to the naked eye. But in the New Testament... It is the inner man that the focus is on. The inner man wasn't the focus in the Old Testament. People could do whatever they were big enough to do. But when Yom Kippur came, the Day of Atonement, they would go in there and get everything fixed up for the whole year. Wouldn't that be great if you could do that? Wouldn't it be great if you had a Yom if the church had a Yom Kippur every year, the Day of Atonement? Well, it don't matter what you did this year. You go down there and get that, get that, get that Yom Kippur going on. Get that Yom going on. Get that Kippur happening and you straight for the whole year. Whew, I'm all right with God. It was all external. The only problem, it didn't do anything to the heart of people. And people got to the point where they learned how to work God. See, religion is always trying to work God and maneuver God. Religion is very close to witchcraft. Witchcraft is an eye of Newton, wing of bat, and over... Now, there is some folks that gather around cauldrons, believe me, but... <laughs> But witchcraft is control. Witchcraft is when you want to control somebody else to do what you want to do. You can be manipulating them with anything. That's witchcraft. But when you want to control God with a formula, you already operate in the form of witchcraft. If you think you can conjure up God and manipulate God by pushing the right buttons and using the right code, you're trying to control God, and that's not a relationship. A relationship is a back-and-forth exchange. A relationship is a camaraderie. You and God communing together and you following God. And you're not trying to get God to do anything for you, but you're coming in agreement with what he's already done. See, in the New Testament, it's already done. We don't have to ask God to heal us. We have to receive healing. 
We don't have to ask God to bless us with all spiritual blessings, for he's already done these things. The Bible says that you need to understand you, that you might have the faith to access the grace that you're already in standing in. You don't have to ask. You don't have to really ask God for salvation. You receive it because he's already given it. You don't have to beg God to be baptized in the Holy Ghost because the comforter is here. Back in the church I came from, we used to tarry for the Holy Ghost because, you know, you better go obey the scripture, go tarry. Well, that was true for the disciples because they had to wait because it hadn't come. Because the word tarry just means wait. So they had to wait till it came. But now he's come. You don't have to wait no more. You don't have to wait for the Holy The moment you believe it, you receive it. In the Old Testament, their hearts were desperately wicked. It was deceptive. They didn't know if it was God talking or if it was the Lord because everything was on the outside and external. They had to read the law. They even tied the law to their hands and put symbols all over their body so that they wouldn't break the law. But all that switched in the New Testament. Everything. See, Paul said... This is the dispensation of the Spirit. He said the other was glorious in that Moses would walk in and people couldn't see his face. He said that was glorious. He said, but now Christ is just like that glory shine on the outside. He's shining in our hearts now. He said, and this is the time of the Spirit. This is a time when men would become born again and then be filled with the Spirit and be led by the Holy Ghost. Everything about your Christian walk, advancing in it, is determined by can you be led. That's why the Bible always makes a difference between sheep and goats. Goats, you can't lead them nowhere. Goats are pretty stupid. You bring them out and they come right back into the place you took them out. They'll eat the curtains off the wall. They'll do anything. Goats are, have a mind of their own and the problem with a goat is... The sheep are so, if you think the goat is dumb, see the goat is dumb and ornery, but the sheep are dumb too. And if you put a goat among the sheep, the goat will lead the sheep astray. That's why you have to get that goat out of there. Because people are led from the external and not from the internal. So everything in this focus in this New Testament is about you being led by the Spirit. Learning how to develop your inner man. And listen to the inner man so that you can get clear instruction from God. And some of y'all want God to speak to you and say, do not marry him. And he don't come that way. So I guess the Lord ain't saying no marriage. I'm going to marry you. Book. And you go do it. And like, why, Lord, why you let me do this? He's the devil. But the Lord, I didn't know you do that. Did you notice that, that sound, that feeling of claws going across a chalkboard every time you thought about it? You just ignored it and went and did what you wanted to do? <laughs> then you ignore, you ignore all this little hand. See, the leading of the Lord is gentle, is soft. See, God is not going to, see, sometimes you get, God gives grace and the prophet comes and gets a word for you. Or a dream comes and it's something you so clear you can't make a mistake. But sometimes you have to pray into that kind of leading. See, just being lazy and Cadillacing around and wanting God to do stuff for you, you've got to press into those things. See, the Bible says we that have believed have entered into rest. You've got to enter in sometimes. And sometimes when you don't get that kind of clear clarity, you've got to listen to the inner witness, which is soft, which is easily overruled if you're not careful. And listen, how many times as a Christian have you come to that place where you realize God did tell you and you didn't listen? You knew something here, not in here, but you knew it here, but you went ahead and did what you wanted to do, and then hell was to pay. Every time I've had a big mistake, I overrode this witness, even with good intentions. 
Even because I was being sweet and giving people chances I shouldn't have gave them. See, you can mess around and be sweeter than Jesus. And give some people that don't have, a, they don't deserve you to give them that opportunity. But I'm just going to be sweet. And here come the devil. Here come the billy goat in the fold. That's why we spend time at this church learning how to be filled with the Holy Ghost. To, that's why we preach about, have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Have you believed since you received? To get full of the Holy Ghost. Then stay full. Because once you got filled doesn't mean you stay full. There's one baptism but many refillings. Getting filled and staying full of the Holy Ghost. See, you got an old wine skin that's leaking out. God ain't gave you a brand new body yet. You can't contain all the glory that God has put in you. The Bible says you have this treasure in an earthen vessel. God is going to put this treasure in a heavenly vessel one day. He's going to give you a heavenly vessel. But until then, you've got to maintain the work on this outside. Because this is dying and fading away. So we put the emphasis on being filled with the Holy Ghost and staying full of the Holy Ghost and then learning how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And your success in being led by the Spirit has everything to do with your spirit. See, if your spirit is clogged up and unclear, then you can't receive from the Holy Spirit that's within you. The Bible says that we know, Romans 8 says, we know we are the sons of God. For the Spirit, the Holy Ghost himself, bears witness with our spirit. That means he bears witness. Have you ever gave anybody five because you agreed with them? They said something, you was like, right on. Gave, give me five. Back in the day, I, when I grew up in the late 70s, I know I'm telling on myself, and in the early 80s, you would you said, give me five. When you said something, you said, give me five on that. People like, give you five because they agree with you. They was, you was asking them to bear witness with what you just said. Do you know that when the Holy Ghost is in you leading, he's waiting for you to give him a five and agree with him? And then he, he agrees with you. He bears witness that you are the child of God. So what are we saying here? How many of you all know you're saved? In your heart, you know you're saved. You love Jesus best of all. If somebody woke you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know how you, anybody, anybody here sleep real hard? Like you on another planet when you sleep. Like we wake you, it takes you about four or five minutes to get up when they wake you up. You ever been like that? You're not, you're not one of them kind of people? You're one of them, you're one of them poor, poor people that you hear a creak on the floor, you up all night and can't go back to sleep. Lord, I can't, I can't be sleeping with nobody like that, boy. Up every... You, it really, by show of hands, any, any slight noise will wake you up. How many of y'all can sleep through Armageddon? They can hang you up by your feet like, a, like an antelope and you can still sleep. I had some friends when I was growing up, man, they, they stayed with some, I had a friend of mine that went with me to revival one time. God bless him. I didn't know what snoring was. I, I'm the one preaching revival, and he going to come in the room. My friend was so terrible. He would come in the room, drop his pants, take his shirt off, and get right in the car, right in the bed. And I had him laid my bags down. And before I took my jacket off, <laughs> I am not lying. It was so bad at 1 o'clock in the morning, I got up and said, in the name of Jesus. I'm serious. I pushed him over, and he fell over, and he stopped. And as soon as I got back in the bed, <laughs> I mean, you ever heard wooden chairs dragging across the floor? That's what it sounded like. It's like Godzilla was in the bed. He could sleep through anything. <laughs> that there's people who... <laughs> it is kind of funny, but it's not funny when you're trying to get some sleep. It ain't funny. It ain't funny when you the one got to get up and do something. It is not funny. 
It makes you speak in tongues and not the holy ones. You've got to pray in the spirit. But if we was to wake you up in the middle of the night, no matter how badly sleep we're and say, do you love Jesus? Would you have to think about it? You wouldn't think about that, would you? I mean, after you realize that you didn't want to choke somebody and poke their eye off waking you up, you'd realize you, because you know in your heart, heart be, it's beyond thought and beyond conscious knowledge. It's in your heart that you love Jesus. Do you know what that is? You see, if somebody told you, you didn't, you're not saved, you ain't born again, they couldn't talk you out of it. Could, they talk, could anybody talk you out of the fact that you know there's been a change on the inside of you? Even if they put a gun to your head. You know you're saved, don't you? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to your spirit that you are the Son of God. That little witness that you have that assures you that you know that you know you saved, that's the inner witness. And it's not even a voice. It's a knowing. It's a witness. It's not, you are my son. It is a witness. It's just something that knows. When you learn to focus in on that little witness that I know I'm saved, I love the Lord, that little something, that is the thing that God's going to use to lead you in everything else in your life. For the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. If you can recognize the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit, you can also learn to wear witness. You can also learn to recognize when you have questions in life because you're familiar with the witnessing of the spirit. You can recognize the witness with other when he witnesses with you on other things. So when I read the Bible, how do we hear from God? He just told you. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the child of God, that you're the son of God. So when you really know that you're saved and know you're born again, that's where every believer starts. Are you getting tired of this message? That's where you, when you got saved, that's where it all began. For you were dead and you were dead in trespasses and sin. You came alive. You didn't even really know who you were. You may have thought you was hot stuff, but until you met Jesus and got born again and became a new creature. See, in the Old Testament, your heart was desperately wicked. It could not be trusted. But when you get born again, he gives you a brand new heart, and this heart can be trusted. This heart is not desperately wicked. Why? Because the Bible says it has been born after an incorruptible seed. Do you understand what incorruptible means? That means it can't be corrupted. I don't care what you say. Well, what about this? What about the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new heart, a new creature. Your heart can be trusted. But you've got to learn how to listen right. Because if you don't listen right, you'll think your thoughts are God. And the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder between what? What is the spirit and the soul? So he gives his word to you. What does his word do? Inside your inner man, your inward man, your hidden man, there is the thoughts that come in your heart, the promptings of your heart. Then there's your mind. You know your little squirrely mind that when you're trying to pray, it's all over the place. It's reminding you of bread in the oven. It's reminding you got to go pick this up. You sitting there trying to go now. I'm trying to pray. Shake a mind. Shake a make a lie. Shake a shiny hole. You're trying to pray in the spirit and your mind is just all over the place. Am I the only one? It takes me almost a good 30 minutes to just shut up and stop bombing me. I'm not the only one? Because see, in prayer... That is the outer court. The outer court is where the sacrifices are made in the tabernacle. That's the ugly part. 
cutting up, sawing up animals' insides out. It's a bloody, ugly job. It was meant to be ugly and bloody to affect the consciousness when you saw what sin had an effect. You, God wanted it to be an ugly, bloody scene to remind you of the ugliness of sin that you're coming out of. He wants you to put your nose together and you go ahead and do that offering. See, that's the outer court. When you're getting down on your face to pray and see God is tough, you got to put that flesh to death. you got to split it open, stop hiding, open up your heart, let the inside out. you got to wrestle that flesh down, be quiet, I'm going to wait on the Lord, shut up, stop talking to me, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm gonna... It's a battle of the flesh. It's a battle to put that flesh down. Oh, but if you get that flesh to be quiet, if you finally get to the place where the flesh quiets down, oh, then you go into the inner court. I can't get no help in here. Have you ever passed from the outer to the inner? But see, people who don't spend any time with God and don't spend any time in really praying, they'll spend for days in the out of court before they can get there because they've never trained their spirit to yield they've never trained their flesh and their mind to be directed and subdued by the presence of god that's why you need the word of god to help you pray when you really pray you take what he said and you say it back to him because he can't say no to himself he can't say no to a promise that he made that's when it's not my will, but your will be done. This ain't my idea. You said that by your stripes I am healed. You said that you will supply all my need according to your riches and glory. You said. Not my will, but your will be done. And that's why the word of God is quick. Woo. You fake the flesh out. It's quick. And it's sharp. And what it does is it divides asunder spirit and soul. Is this me or is this God? Is this dream from the Lord or is this my flesh? Was that pizza? What was that? Was well, what that? This does, what? You don't know. But the Word of God. In the Greek he says he divides asunder. It literally means he's a referee. Do you know what a referee does? He gets in between and says, go ahead. All right, separate parts. You go to that corner, you go to that corner. When there's confusion internally in you, when you get the Word of God out and begin to meditate, He gets in between your spirit and your soul and begins to referee. This is your mind, but this is the spirit. This is your mind, but this is the spirit. And the more you learn it, the more you begin to learn what is your flesh, what is of your thoughts, and what is of the spirit. But see, it's not going to happen. Just because you saved, you didn't come trained. Any more than your kids came here trained, you had to train them. Potty training. Anybody remember potty training? You had to work on it and keep on working on it. You had to pull out some spanks, some slaps. Slap some hands. You get in there and you do what I tell you to do. Well, maybe that's me. I remember. I don't have no kids. I remember what my mother used to do to me. I remember I had to learn. Go get that big duck. And put that duck on the toilet. Come on. I had to learn. I had to learn. You're getting to be a big boy now. <laughs> you better grow up. This is the first rule. You can't be no grown man walking around here and don't know how to go get the duck. <laughs> You want to grow up, don't you? Yeah, you better do what I tell you to do. You never had your mama talk to you like that? Have you ever talked to your kids like that? Because you're tired of dappers at one point. It's cute for a while, but it's time to come out of that mess. 
It's time to put them diapers down and come on and be grown. See, God expects you to grow up eventually where you begin to be led by the Spirit. And you're going to get the duck without him telling you to get the duck. You start learning how to be led by the Spirit. Because your whole life, from here on out in your walk with God, is going to flow out of your inner man. As your heart, so is your life. Because your spirit is the thing that receives from God. And depending on the shape of your born-again spirit depends on how well it connects and communes with the Father of spirits. And the goal of Christianity is to become sons. The goal of Christianity is to limit the time between where it leaves his mouth and comes to your ear and you obey what you hear. Limiting the time of your spiritual reflexes to your response to the Lord. You know one thing? People get saved and they make mistakes. We make mistakes. We fall. We, we fail. Christians are the only ones that can fall in sin. Did you know that? If you're a sinner, you can't fall in sin. You ain't never been lifted. You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. You don't make mistakes. This is who you are. But when you're born again and you've been lifted from sin, you can fall. You can make a mistake. But one of the things that people do is they go on and they wallow in it. They go for weeks feeling bad. They come in church and hope nobody can notice that they did something. And they nurse it. And all the while your spirit is being wounded. Because you won't make up with God. You won't judge yourself and judge this and ask the Lord to forgive me. Because the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive. But here's the thing people do. The longer you don't repent, the more callous it makes your spirit. And it makes you more or less able to be led by the spirit. See, the devil is not interested in trying to make you sin so you can go to hell. He's not after that. If you're really born again, he don't have no hell to put you in. If you're born again, you're born again. What he wants to do is neutralize you and make you ineffective. What he wants to do is make you to the person where you can't walk by the Spirit, you can't walk in authority, and can't walk in who you are, and then you're subject to this world and the spirits that are in this world. There's a spirit that has been released in this day and time. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Do you not know that the Bible says the devil knows his time is short? That means he begins to pull out all the stops and do everything within his power to unleash them against the people of God. I'm talking about people are tripping like they've never been tripping. People are having mind issues. they discontent. They're unhappy. They, they worry. People are just going all, going all out. They have more and want more. They're more discontent, more unsatisfied, unhappy with their body. got blow something up and put something in and pump something up and change it. They're just unhappy in the gym all day. Everybody's taking pictures of self. Everybody's obsessed with self and unhappy. The devil has unleashed demonic powers on this age like never before because he knows that God has a people. And if he can't make you backslide, he'll settle for a Christian dummy. You know, the dummy is a dummy gets picked up and set down. A dummy don't have no... See, the devil will set up for somebody who is no threat to him. 
Somebody who is neutralized. Let me tell you something. When you come into a job and you saved, you blood bought, blood washed, full of the Holy Ghost, know who you are in Christ, know you got authority, know how to pray, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You are somebody that the devil says, we got to get her fired, we got to cause problems, we got to get her out of this job, we got to get her, because this stuff is contagious, it'll infect everybody, we got people over here, we don't want to be saved. But then there are some of us who the devil says, let them pass. There ain't no problem. They're so bound up in hatred and unforgiveness. They're so bound up in issues of their heart. They're so bound up with carnality. Matter of fact, they're helpless. Because they'll claim they saved. And when they don't act saved, it'll turn the sinner off. You don't want to be a useful idiot. You don't want to be the kind of person the devil just using you and you don't know he's using you. But we have a lot of people that name the name of Christ. And that's why some folk don't want to be saved. Because it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus they mad at. They saw a Christian first. Gandhi, as messed up as Gandhi was, Gandhi said, if I had met Jesus, I probably would have followed Jesus. But because I met Christians, I can't believe in Jesus. This is a glorious church. God wants us to be led by the Spirit. The condition of your inner man. Now, I preached already a good message. You don't know it. But I want to lay some more on you. <laughs> we talked about how the other week that Paul said, when I come and pray, I pray in joy. One of the keys to receiving is joy. It's one of the things that keeps your spirit in tune. Because, see, the frequency of heaven, the vibration of heaven is joy. You don't read in heaven where the saints is sad and they ain't getting along and around the throne. They just kind of like laying around there and waiting for the end time. They don't know what's coming next. It's just, you don't hear that. When you hear a depiction of heaven, what you hear is singing, rejoicing, glory, the presence of God. In his, in his what? In his presence is what? Full, not half full. Fullness of joy. And what? At his right hand Pleasures forevermore. The people in the presence of God are happy because joy emanates from the throne. Do you know that in order for you to connect with heaven, you got to get the spirit of joy? Paul said, I pray and make every request for you with joy. I do it with joy. Why? Because I know before I start praying that God is listening to me. And with that, I begin to rejoice. Deuteronomy 28, 20, well, Philippians 1, 4. Whenever I pray, is what Paul said, I make my request for all of you with joy. Have you thought before you started praying that let me think about the goodness of God first. Let me meditate on what God has done. And let me just rejoice and come before my Father with joy. Father, I thank you. Like Jesus, he said, I, I know that you hear me when I pray. I rejoice in the fact that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain help. You already know what I have need of before I ask you. But I just want to thank you and rejoice and give you praise. See, you're making your request with joy. Joy is the energy of faith. Yes, you might believe the word, but the true effect of you believing the word would be joy when you come into the presence of the Lord. Um, I will enter his gates with I will enter his, I will save, this is the day. Can you imagine? I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. Enter his courts with praise. I will say this is, wait a minute, this don't feel like today the Lord may. That's not coming. See, entering in. Paul said you can come boldly for the throne of grace. Is this good yet? Yeah. 
to obtain help in the time. So if you don't come with joy, you're not coming boldly. Joy makes you bold. Joy makes you get up and do stuff that other people think you look crazy doing, but you don't care. Because you know God has been good to you. You got to bless the Lord. I don't care what you think. I ain't living for you. I'm living for him. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Remember that song? His praise shall continually be in my mind. You start blessing. It's a lifestyle of joy. Well, how do you have joy? You got to think about what God has done for you. Do you really think that you're here by any other reason than the grace of God? Do you think that he didn't keep you? Think about all the times the devil slipped past and God still delivered you. But think about the times he didn't slip past. Think about the time he was planning and God broke the party up before it got started. Think about the time the enemy had. Oh, don't tell me. See, when you get before heaven and you see God roll the curtain back and he show you all the attempts on your life and all the times the devil had planned your destruction and he just moved. He said, no, no, she ain't ready for that. No, you can't that be unfair. You be hitting her below the belt. I'm not going to allow it. And you heard how many times God said, I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow it. I mean, he canceled assignment after assignment. Well, what about the stuff that got you? God said, I'm going to allow this because this is going to make her stronger. This is going to raise her up better. This is she not going to be defeated. The battle is already won. I'm going to take her through to take her to where I want her to be. God will allow it. Well, how do you know the Bible said he won't allow anything to be put on you more than you're able to bear? Then he told Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength is made completely effective for you. And God is saying, I don't want you to go through nothing. But if I want you to become like me, I've got to put you and allow you to be in situations to show you what you really are. And when you find out what you really are, you can now learn what you need to fix and what you need to change. Because it wouldn't do you any good to insulate you and coddle you and keep you from the real truth. So I have to expose you to the poison if I want to make you an anecdote. If I want to make you the fix, i got to expose you to the pain. Are you listening? Does this make any sense? But what happens is, is people often take these things wrong and they internalize, God, let this happen to me. Where is God? Where would I wouldn't help me? And the Bible says a root of bitterness. One of the number one tricks the devil uses to keep your heart locked. See, a heart that locks or a heart that is locked is a heart that's blocked. See, if your heart is locked up, that means it's not open. Not only is nothing coming in, nothing's going out. You can't have it closed to keep everything out and it be open for things to come in. See, the way to be is to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might so that the lines are open and it don't matter what's wrong trying to come. What's coming out is so strong that it's going to roll over top of anything trying to get in. Does that make sense to you? The devil wants to get your heart where you're offended. You know, you, you ever meet people that they just fly off the handle over anything? If they thought you said so, don't you say what did you just say? You know, I, I didn't say that. Calm down. I didn't say that. <laughs> you, you better not. You know I go off. Some people have been through so much stuff in life, they ain't taking nothing else. 
ain't about to have nothing. I ain't taking one more thing off of nobody. I didn't been through. I didn't been a doormat. I've been drugged through the rain. I ain't taking one more. If they say one more thing, the head, the, the old folks say the cackles on the back of your head rise. If that not say nothing to me, I'm gonna. You never been like that, have you? Huh? They feel like life has been so rough to them. They got an attitude about it. Honey, I was just wondering if you could just go by and pick. I ain't picking up nothing. I've been picking up stuff all my life for other people. I graduated from picking up. I'm man, so somebody pick my stuff up. I'm not see. Okay. All right. Yeah, you got it. I'm sorry. Ask me to pick up some t- 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 stuff. You ever seen me just go off talking? I'm just... Calm down. You're gonna blow a gasket if you don't calm down. It's not that deep. Simmer down now. Simmer down now. People like that, the devil loves people like that. Because the devil can create stuff that ain't even real to push your buttons. And see, if the devil can make you mad, he can make you sad. If he can make you sad, he can make you get over, he can make you bound. You want to get to the point where you are uncontrollable by the devil. He can't manipulate you with other people's attitudes, mouths, they're talking. See, the, see, the Lord says, reckon ye yourself to be dead. Wouldn't you look, who looks like the fool going up to a man in the casket saying, you know, you wasn't never nothing. I ain't, could never stand you. If you was here, I'd, I hate you. And the dead man sitting there like this. Can I ask you, who is the fool? So it, really, it ain't really about him, it's all about you. Have you ever seen folk get mad at people in the casket? I have. I'm just coming here because I want to see him dead. Oh, that's some folk like that. Oh, see, you're amazed, but there are some people like that because you don't know what he, shit he did. You don't know what he did. And here you are living the next 40 years of your life carrying something for somebody's dead. And it's locking up your heart and you can't receive from God. You can't move forward. You praying and your prayers ain't being answered. Well, I've forgiven them, but I won't really forgive them. You ever hear folks try to fool yourself? Well, I've forgiven them. No, you mean you're not mad about it anymore. But you ain't really forgave. You See, to forgive means to let them go off of it. To let them go. It means to release them. I'm not holding against you anymore. I've let you go. Now, I pray that you fall and break your neck down. But I, see, you ain't delivered yet. Now, I'm, I'm praying that I'm forgiving you now. But if you just die tomorrow, I ain't going to... You want to start getting God to get people that have done you wrong? Get on your face and start praying for God to bless them. Start praying for God to open their eyes and for God to touch them. Start praying to bless them. The Bible says heat coals of fire on their head. See, when you start praying to bless it, God starts working with you. And you know what God's going to do? He says, now I'm going to take your case now. I'm going to take your case. See, you're now blessing and not cursing, loving and not hating. You're doing good to them that spitefully use you. Case in your court, in your favor. God will bring justice when you learn to stop trying to get justice. And that's hard when people have done you wrong. It's hard when people have taken advantage of you. But you've got to reckon yourself to be dead. 
It's not your job to get everybody straight, Mr. Social Justice Warrior. It's not your job to get everybody told. Have you ever had people that, let's get so-and-so to get it, because you know they know how to get people told. You've met folks that have a degree in big mouthery. They know how to tell folks all. You ever had folk like that? You better not touch it. No, no, no. See, 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 you don't want to be that person. Oh, you picked the wrong one. Oh, the buck stops here. I saw how you treated four, five, six, seven, eight, but baby, this is ten right here. I'm a king. What's the word? I'm a queen. You're stepping to a queen now. Oh, who I am. Ah, the great I am that I am. You step, I'm about to get you straight. Oh, let me tell you one thing about yourself. I'm about to break it down so it will forever be broke when I get done with you. You got the right one. Ooh, that's so ugly. Oh, that's so ugly. Ain't nothing like that the throne. Ain't nothing like that sweet honey from the throne of God. There ain't no honey from the rock right there. That's all flesh. You over there, you ain't in the spirit. I'm gonna prophesy to you and I'm gonna come against no, you ain't that's that ain't nothing but a flesh out. You ain't in the spirit, you over there fleshing out. <laughs> It was funny in Bible school. That's why I picked up that term. At Raymond, they used to say, what's so-and-so? He over there fleshing out over there in the backyard. He over there fleshing out in the corner. Letting, what do it mean? It means letting your flesh take over. See, you lose the joy of God when you get offended. The devil is an expert of running through your mind all the stuff that went wrong. My daddy, my mom, my cousin, first boyfriend, girlfriend, I was alone, I broke up, they left me. And see, the devil just said, see, and life has just been hard on you. You ain't got nothing. See, you, you know what you need to do now? What? You need to get them all. Yeah. I'm going to show them all. I'm going to succeed and be a success. You hear them when they're on stage at the Grammys. I showed them all. They said I was never going to be nothing. You still ain't nothing. You just a little richer, but you still ain't nothing. You just still broke down, petty person that never got healed and never got over it and got other people controlling your life right now. People from your past are still controlling you. Still got the handlebars. Still got the bucket. Still got the buttons they pushing on you whenever. You got to get free of people. You got to get delivered from people. You got to get delivered from your past. The past is what kept the children of Israel from going into the promised land. Looking back to Egypt, looking back to the past, that will stop you from moving forward with God. Sometimes I know some things you can't look back because you can't handle it. You've got to get to the point where you're exalted in God to where you can look back and it don't bother you no more. Yes, that did happen. Man, that did happen. It was, ooh, yes, it was horrible. I remember that time. But thanks be unto God. Who that always caused me to triumph. Thanks be to God. Oh my God. Thanks, but I thank God that nothing can separate me. That thing tried to separate me from God, but nothing can separate me from the love of God. I, with old song we sing, I got the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. You got to keep your spirit clear. Look at somebody say clear. You got to keep your spirit offense free because unforgiveness is the thief of joy. Unforgiveness is the thief that blocks God's blessings. When you are in unforgiveness, I know you're not going to like this. 
you are an idolater. Because you are exalting another person, no matter how justified you are, no matter how right you are, when you can't forgive them, you will not forgive them. You have made that person an idol next to God. And that person is now dictating whether you have joy or not. Here you are happy, and somebody mentioned their name. You just got controlled. You just got served. When you exalt other people, God, see, the problem is, the reason why God don't want you to be in unforgiveness and strife is because you are putting them ahead of him. And see, the problem with it is, it ain't based on a love. See, you can become idolatrous when you just love your husband and love your children. Love, you know, you can make family can be an idol. Your husband can be an idol. Your wife can be, your, your, wife, your husband going, they go, my everything. He walked out the door. Yeah, and you know, that's an idol. As a pastor, I have to tell people, I don't know how I'm going to live without her. I said, you're going to live? Well, how do you know? Because he lives. <laughs> don't make me get like Jimmy Swagger. I can pray tomorrow. <laughs> All you got to do is be like Elvis. It's the same thing. Jimmy Swagger to Elvis. You're making somebody else another idol in your life. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. You're going to serve, you're going to stop serving God. Uh, well, I'm going to stop serving God. Well, how are you going to serve God with the other person in front of God? That's a good question, isn't it? People don't think of it that way. When you got other things, your career can be an idol. I got news for you. Whatever you think that makes you something special that ain't Jesus, that's an idol. See, Paul said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was of the first stock of Israel. I was trained by Gabriel, the greatest top, the top rabbi, the top doctor of the law. He said, I came first in everything, behind nobody. He said, oh, but when I met him, when I saw him, he knocked the light out my eye. I couldn't see nothing else. And the next thing I saw, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. When I saw him, I counted everything else as crap, as dumb. Oh, that I might gain him. He's the great equalizer. He's the great stabilizer. When you realize that you got him, you got all you need. You have everything you need. Everything you lost in battle, he knows how to find it. Everything that you think that got away from you, the Bible said he's able to keep those things that you have committed to him against that day. But the devil will cause you to lose track and get off track because he don't need no new tricks. Because the old ones work great. Here you are, man, your business. In the kingdom of God, trying to be saved, trying to live holy. You're wearing a white dress down to your ankles and got no makeup on. You saved. You holy. Here you are. You don't look at nothing wrong. You don't do nothing wrong. Don't smoke. Old folks say, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew. And don't hang around nobody else to do. Hey, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ain't been around a sanctified church to the mothers quicken after they say so. You never, you never seen nobody quicken like that in the name of Jesus. You ain't never been in a sanctified church like that. One of the mothers stood up in church, you know, back a long time where they said you can't drink strong drink. Remember that? No strong drink. They didn't believe in drinking coffee. That's a strong drink. Keep you up at night. What about Coca-Cola? I don't believe in no Coca-Cola. It's burning when they're going down. It's a strong drink. I gave up Coca-Cola when I came to Jesus. 
took the he took when I got the preacher when I got saved when I came over into holiness he took the coke out my hand took the pop bottle out my jacket I was like what Jesus took the pop from you Coca Cola the fizzing burning Coca Cola it's a strong drink. One of the mother servants said, I've been living for the Lord for over 40 years. No sin have I committed since I got saved. Except for I drunk a Coca-Cola. That's why I got diabetes right now. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord. That's a true statement. I'm not lying about that. that she thought she got diabetes for drinking a strong, sweet drink. I was disobedient to the Lord one time. Y'all pray my strength to the Lord. I remember when the saints used to end their testimony with, pray my strength in the Lord. Pray my strength in the Lord. You don't know about no praying the strength in the Lord. Pray my strength in the Lord. I used to hear the old mean saying, pray your own self. Pray your own strength in the Lord. Them, them sweet mean. You know them old saints that are sweet, but they mean to pray your own strength in the Lord. <laughs> I miss them old saints. Hey, go. <laughs> thank you. You don't know them. Hey, thank you. <laughs> We used to have a mother used to do this. She said, ha, 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 thank you, I would say. That's some joy right there. And don't them going to get it twisted. It ain't just for church. It'll be right there in the supermarket. Hey, in the supermarket. What do you think Aunt Esther got there from? Hey, glory. She hung around some saint to that people. Coming around on a Hyundai. Mama say, Mama sigh. Mama could sigh. <laughs> How did we get off on this? How did we get off on this? What happened to the service? It just fell apart. I got to pray for the pastor. Pray for the shepherd. <laughs> but them saints knew how to keep the fire burning, didn't they? <laughs> Thank you. I used to love the little clap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I want you to know I'm saved and I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and that with a mighty burning fire. Woke up this morning with my mind was right. In my right mind, in my present mind. <laughs> thank you. I want to say thank you, Jesus. You've been, you've been better to me than I've been to myself. Hallelujah. Keep on blessing me. <laughs> ah. Why don't you all pick some of that stuff up and bring it back? You know you want to quicken. Go ahead and give in to it. Say yes to the Lord. <laughs> oh, I snatch. I snatch and the Holy Ghost is real. You mean tell me you ain't never had them goosebumps get up and down your back? Roll down the back of your leg and come up to your neck? Watch out here. You ain't never, you ain't never had that happen to you? You ever had it get on you when you're in the car going home and just... Thank you, Jesus. That's the joy of the Lord. That's the supernatural touch of God. It don't happen unless you want it. Hallelujah. You better ask, Lord, don't leave me when the service is over. Don't let me go. Rock me all night. Stay with me. Oh, if you go with me, I won't be afraid. If you stand by me, I won't be scared. Oh, if you walk with me, I won't be afraid of nobody. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I want to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to rejoice. Rejoice in the God of my salvation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that 
Now, you ain't got to do all that. <laughs> but you got to have your heart. See, joy is the strength of faith. Joy sustains. It fuels faith. It's the testimony of what God has done for you. Now, think about all that God has done for you. If you were to sit down and begin to thank Him every morning for everything, you couldn't finish your coffee. You'd have to get in the car and keep on thanking Him. You'd have to thank Him on doing lunch. See, what you don't know is that that's a spiritual technology. The more you are blessing God, you are connecting to the heavenly. Because, see, your spirit that you got didn't come from earth. It came from heaven. It came from the joy realm. It came from the glory realm. And, see, you in this world down here trying to get through all this muck and this mire. But when you open your mouth and begin to bless the Lord. See, the Bible says that you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. You shall receive. See, when you start worshiping God. God and give it in praise, you begin to connect yourself to the supernatural. You begin to connect yourself to the eternal realm. You begin to pull. So you're building that bridge and the glory is going to flow right to heaven into wherever you are. And the blessing don't just happen at church. You begin to carry the glory of God everywhere you go. You become a door that the Holy Ghost can step through anywhere you are. Because everything in the Old Testament that you see that God did externally, He means it to be a symbol of what should be done internally. He said, there must be a fire on my altar and it must never go out. It can't go out. That altar is not there. Now the altar's inside here. The altar is here. And don't let the fire go out. That's why the Bible said, fan the flame and stir up the gift. Hallelujah. You ain't got to feel nothing. You just have to obey something. This ain't a put on. This is a come on. If you go ahead on and begin to bless them, if you do it in faith, out from your belly shall flow a river of living water a river of power a river of healing a river that will reverse every curse and break every chain and break every yoke a power so strong and it makes the rulers of this world to tremble stand up on your feet hallelujah Jesus hallelujah stir up on the inside stir up that well on the inside you're trying to get somebody to pray for you and God is trying to get the power through you He's trying to come out your belly. He wants to use your hands. He wants to use you to lift up a heavy burden. This anointing that God has given you is yours. Tell somebody it's mine. This anointing he gave to me is mine. And if it's mine, I can loose it anytime I want to. I can release it anywhere I choose. It's yours. The Bible says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Oh, boy, that's some bad words. Exceeding. 
That means going further than you could imagine. Going further than you knew was possible. Abundantly means overflowing to maximum. Above means so high, can't nothing bring it down. All means everything included that you can ask or imagine. Woo, can you out imagine the power of God? The Bible says if you can sit down and imagine it, I can put power to it. I can send some creative. Fr- if you can imagine a new kidney, I can put one in you. If you can imagine a new heart, I can put one in you. If you can imagine, the Bible says faith gives substance to hope. Hope is the imagination. If you can imagine it, I can put power in it. If you can imagine all your needs being met, I can supply the power. Hallelujah. I can do it. All things. But now the Bible says when you pray, things whatsoever, things whatsoever, believing, it'll be done for you. He said mustard seed of faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, he wasn't really emphasizing how small it was. Because he told you the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. But when it's put in the ground, it creates the largest of trees. When he says mustard faith, he's talking about a growing faith. A faith that is continuously reaching higher. If you hey, Jesus said, if you got the growing kind of faith. If you have the kind of faith that starts here but keeps moving. If you have the kind of faith that you get saved and then keep on walking with Jesus. And don't walk back every time something go wrong. That's what mustard seed faith. Not that it's just so tiny. Because he's giving you every man the measure of faith. He's talking about the kind that when it's planted, it sheds and grows. Sheds and grows. And before long it's so big that it can supply every need. He said for long it's so big that even the same fowls of the air have to lodge in the branches. You know you got faith when the devil just had to sit down and watch you what you're doing. Can't stop this, can't stop this tree. <laughs> this horse is out the stall. This ball is out the park. Ain't no bringing it back. That's what it means. He will make a table for you in the presence of your enemy. That's what that means. When the mustard seed faith gets so big that the devils can't do nothing with it. He said, you got that kind of faith. Well, I don't know. That's why you don't walk in it, because you don't know. And you're still wondering, and you think about all the mistakes you made, and oh, you have been failing, and I just can't. And the devil makes sure he reminds you. But if you look into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, you will see that his grace has covered it. And he says, it's no longer you, but it's I that live in you. You and me, and I and you. I am in my Father, and He is in me. We are in you, and you are in us. If my word abide in you. He didn't say if you was perfect and didn't make no mistakes. He didn't say, he said, if my word abide in you, and you abide in my word, ask what you will. And whatsoever things you ask believing. Believe that you have it now, and you shall have it. Your spirit has to grab a hold of it. Close your eyes right now. See that thing in the spirit that you know is God's will for you to have it. If you're sick, it ain't God's will for you.